Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I am here in the studio today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. Andrea is still on break. So we have a special guest here in the studio who has been, I would say, um, is my daytime spouse and <laughs> <laughs> with every day. So maybe not so special for me, <laughs> but special Aww. for you and special for Amy. Special for me, definitely. It's still special. Um, I have Amy, Amy. I have Nancy Friedman here. She is the co-founder of Kids Views Media with me. Um, and she, ha- I'm not just having her on because we're like, woo, let's have Nancy on. Um, we, I, Nancy has actually launched a new initiative called Feed Our Democracy. And we thought it would be really great to have her on to talk about it um, because we know that our listeners are always looking for ways to get involved, spark activism, involve their kids, do something really interesting in their community, and it can be daunting. So we're going to talk about this new initiative that is not so daunting and makes it really approachable and easy and customizable, and it's a great new um, initiative, and so we thought everyone would like to learn about it. And then we will have our bites of the week, and Nancy's going to stay for that too. So let's jump in. Hi, Nancy. Hi. I haven't Hi. seen you since yesterday. <laughs> so I haven't seen you in a while, so this That's is true. exciting. Amy's super excited. Um, so I'm going to jump right in, and I'm going to pretend I don't know who you are, and <laughs> I'm going to grill you. Um, so let's talk about Feed Our Democracy, which just officially launched this past week. Um, which is super exciting, and it looks spectacular. When you see the website, you'll see it's like really easy, it's really clean, it's really shareable, like all the good things. Um, so let's jump in on how it started and why you and your two co-founders decided to do this. Well, I cannot take credit for the idea, uh, much like Kids Views, which was not my idea, <laughs> and somehow I got lucky, because uh, it was Rebecca's idea. Um, but Feed Our Democracy, happened, uh, I think, I don't even remember which of the many scandals of the last year. <laughs> Pick one. One scandal. My friend uh, Isabel Kalman, who is the founder of a parenting website called Alpha Moms. Have you had Isabel on? No. No. I haven't had Isabel on. Um, no, we should. She put up a quote, a, a post on Facebook saying, we have to do something, and I have an idea, and I want to do some kind of dinners, and would you be interested in doing dinners and who would be interested and how could we do it and who wants to help me? And 147 people said, I will help. I want to do it. I would do that. I, I was one of them and then promptly forgot about it because that's what I do. <laughs> well, I did. I answered her and I also privately messaged her and said, I, I will really do it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I will help you. I will work on it. I will, I, I wanted, I will do it with you. And then I didn't hear from her for like three or four months. And I figured, all right, whatever, over 150 women said they would do it. So, uh, and then over the summer, she called me and said, I remember that thing from all those months (laughs) ago. I actually want to do it. And I have another friend, Janine Harvey, uh, who had worked at an organization called One, which was about, for about 15 years. And One is about empowering women in third world countries with, all kinds of initiatives, a lot of microeconomic stuff, all kinds of things. And she had done a lot of social media work for them. And she said, Janine's coming up from Washington, and we're going to meet somewhere, and let's talk about it. Wait, and one like the Bono yeah. organization? Yeah. Wow. Remember the One Moms campaign? Yeah. A bunch of us did. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, she knows everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got real muscle behind. It. Not that you're not muscle, no, but no. you've got like Bono related muscle behind <laughs> no. this. So six degrees yeah, of Bono. Six yeah. degrees of Bono. <laughs> um, but it's been, um, yeah, anytime we go to any kind of do gooder thing, Janine knows every single person. Huh. Um, but I actually think what's what's sort of interesting about how it started is that I have no background in doing any kind of you know organizing or activism and that sort of makes me the perfect person to be doing <laughs> this because what feed our democracy about is about is about empowering everyday normal people to be more active in and to be active engaged citizens that's that's our that's what we say active engaged citizens and whatever that means to you if it means raising money for your local library if it means having a letter writing campaign if it means um raising awareness about a charity you care about or campaigning door to door, whatever it is that matters to you, we just want to make it easy for you to be an active citizen. And feel like you're contributing to something bigger. That's what hooked me because like, you know, maybe you want to get a dinner together with your friends and raise some money, but you like you're gonna raise three hundred dollars and you're like, should I really bother if I'm only gonna raise three hundred dollars? But then that all goes into a total on your site, right? So you can show how much all of these smaller initiatives do when put together, right? So, which I think is empowering. So so far we've I, we've had like you know three events in beta, so we don't have that tally up because it would be very <laughs> sad. But <laughs> the the goal is that ultimately they'll you'll register your. So the idea of feed, feed our democracy is that every, people host small gatherings. It could be. A brunch. It could be a dinner. It could be a letter writing party where you just have a bag of pretzels on the table. It doesn't really matter. It's just the idea of getting small groups of people together. But you register your event, and then afterwards we send you a questionnaire, and you tell us we wrote 50 postcards, we raised $125, and it all gets added. We don't raise the money, but we're just asking you to sort of we're trusting that you're going to report back, and then that all goes into the whole tally. So you see, like you just said, that you're part of something bigger. And on the website, we have everything from downloadable recipes from well-known food bloggers to uh, invitations that you can download from somewhere else. We haven't reinvented a lot of things. What we've done is sort of looked at what is out there already and put it all together in one place that makes it easy to find. That's amazing. Well, I think that's the best part of it because I think, you know, as I sort of said in the intro, it's daunting and everyone feels like they want to do something and then, you know, you click and you give to a fundraiser and then you just, you're not satisfied. You know, right. like you do that and then you're just like, oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah. I get, you know, at the end when you do your taxes and you're like, you see all like the 25 and the 50s and the 75 bucks you gave and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's important for those organizations, but you, I think you still feel disconnected from it. And I think what's nice about this is that you probably have a lot of people you know who feel the same way. And if you said to them, like, oh, my God, everyone come over for pizza and we're going to write a bunch of letters. And like, if you want to also give to this organization, or whatever, then great. Or like for every letter we write, you know, we're all, this person's going to give five bucks or whatever it is. Um, but that piece of it, of like encouraging you to build a community around it instead of just doing it solo behind your little computer, is the piece I really like because you really can involve your kids in a way that has no barriers. You know, it's very hard for kids to find volunteer opportunities. A lot of times people are like, oh, the adult has to come do an orientation and then the teenager can come with you later to do this thing. Mm -hmm. Or you have to do it through your synagogue or your church or your whatever. But if you said to your kids, like, we're gonna do a brunch at our house and we're gonna do this thing for every town 
you know, and we're going to raise money. Like kids are so passionate about this right now and they see all these teenagers in Florida and they maybe they're intimidated to go to the march. Maybe the march doesn't work out. Maybe your kid's out of town. Maybe it's just a something's not going to work for you. But your kid could that day of the march even have a breakfast or a breakfast before the march and like get everyone together and then also fundraise and then also tie it into the website, like find all those ideas there. So I think that it's so nice. I don't know, whenever you include food, yes. <laughs> it becomes better. Well, it's interesting that you should bring that up as an example because our friend Laura in Austin started out having a small gathering, like we suggest on the website, of no more than 10 to 12 people. Um, and then uh, Parkland happened and she decided that's not what she wanted to do. She wanted to involve her teenagers. And um, they are having a pizza and poster board party and a couple of days before the march, there she got all this poster board and all these art supplies, and kids are going to come, and she's ordering a bunch of pizzas, and they're going to make posters for the march. Only what happened is when her, once her teenagers took it over, it got bigger. <laughs> so they have uh, over 150 people have signed up to come. <laughs> wow. They got all the art supplies donated from local businesses. The local pizzerias are donating all the pizzas, and um, local officials in Texas have – in Texas – have called them and asked if they can attend. Wow. So it is really, you know, it really can take off. And that's, so even on the, even though on the website we say small gatherings of 10 to 12 people, like, who cares? Like, if it turned out that the kids took it over and it became 150 people, fantastic. That's right. interesting because I committed to do one of these and you know me well enough to know that if you told me to do it by the end of March, I haven't thought about it yet. Um and I, you know, we're still trying to decide who we want to benefit from this. And it never occurred to me to sit my kids down and say, do you guys want to help? Do you have anything that you would like to raise money for? Like, maybe they won't care or maybe they'll be totally into it. And does it have to be political? No, no. absolutely not. I, it, it can be anything. It can be a charity. It can be... It can be a discussion. If there's right. just an issue that you feel is really important in your community, we have sort of three things that we say are sort of central to what we care about as an organization of three, uh, which are um, community causes and candidate candidates. So um, community is a really big piece of it. Like you were saying, Rebecca, about you know you just don't want to do this all in a void. You want to feel like you're part of something bigger. And one of the things that I think is really important in um, our suggestions in our toolkit is that you don't just invite your friends. So you're not just sitting around with the same people that you always talk to every time, but that you either find a co-host and you each invite five people who don't know the other five, or you invite five friends and you ask them to bring five people that you've never met. Mm. So that you're expanding your community. You know, neighborhoods, communities are, can be really powerful. Look, I mean, keep on going back to it because it's so current, but look what happened in Parkland. This is a whole community that's coming together. And a lot of these people probably didn't particularly know one another. It's a big it's a school. It's a huge high school. Right, thousands of kids. So I think that part of it is building community and getting out of your sort of little social circle that everybody's sort of agreeing with one another all the time and finding different people with different points of view. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, a good way for kids to start sometimes is their own school if their school needs to raise funds for something or things like arts in the schools or, you know, like a cause that maybe they can feel very personally connected to. Um, you know, I think before Parkland, before that became like a rallying cry for teens all around the country, it was hard for teens to identify something, even if it was really close to home, they couldn't see it, mm -hmm. you know, because kids just don't, they have blinders on. They don't understand how they're, you the know, 
how things affect the them. machinations of all the different things that right. combine locally to affect their everyday life. Right. They just like don't the see it. Like the instruments just appear at school right. and the books <laughs> just appear at school and you don't realize, the parents realize who are in the nitty gritty or getting fundraising letters or whatever. So I do think that there is something about starting local that can be very appealing. Like Nancy said in the beginning, like your local library. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are things like that that I don't even think people realize. You know, it's like you don't get a cause until someone you know gets sick, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden that's your your cause or your family's cause. So I don't know. You could you could do something like this rather than signing up for the 5K or so, you know, also because it really – it's different. I also think to, you know, we always talk about how you want to model behavior for your kids. You want to put your phone down at the dinner table so they see that that's what you're supposed to do at the dinner table. But And in the same way, I think that to show your kids that you don't have to be, I always say you don't have to be a politician to be political and you don't have to be an activist to be active. I think the word activist scares people, mm-hmm. um, but you can still be active. And I think as parents, if we involve our kids in these things and 10 people come over and you do something that few people feel good about and feel makes a difference, they're like, huh, I could do that. That's not such a big deal. And then you sort of just grow up that that's a normal part of your life is that when an issue is important to you, you do something about it. You don't just post on Facebook about it. And the best part is if they leave your event saying, oh, I want to do something like this, you can send them to the website and there's a (laughs) blueprint for them and they don't have to just start fresh. That is in the official follow-up letter (laughs) (laughs) that we recommend you send to everyone that they host their own. Yeah, no, I think that there's, it's, we're in an interesting time because there is this new wave of activism and I think it started online as this and then people made fun of that that how effective is it and we've had this discussion before like politicians don't care if their inbox gets full but boy do they care if a bag of mail shows up in mm-hmm. their office and or some the phones ringing and all the day phones long. ring all day long because it makes their assistants and their people working them crazy mm-hmm. um, you know bags of mail it's still the best way to do anything no one anyone can turn off and block on Twitter anyone can just delete their inbox so I think there's something really powerful about people physically getting together and for kids to relearn that and adults too that Online activism it can be powerful. I'm not saying it's not, but it has to be in tandem with the in-your-face. And so re-engaging our kids around that, and I think as adults, relearning how to do that, how to, like, sit down and write letters um, is important, you know. And I think, you know, my, my daughter last summer, she worked for a state assemblyman here in New York. Oh, no, city councilman. City councilman. City councilman. And... Nobody, probably people don't even realize how easy it is. If if you get 10 people together, mm-hmm. and this is in New York City, he will come and speak to them. Hmm. If you live in his district. They can call it Ben in Your Living Room. Yeah. It's a program. And I can't imagine he's the only one. So it, it's actually pretty easy to meet your local officials, to tell them what you think. They, that's their job. Yeah, it's funny because um, in this whole conversation about guns that's been going on online, the best thing I saw was a woman who said, they talk about all these polls. I think Amy and I talked about this mm-hmm. offline that, like, you know, this percentage of NRA members actually support gun control. And, that, and Amy's like, those stats are always weird, right? Like, you don't really know. You don't know who the – Right. How much do they care right. is, is my point. And she had the best stat, which was that they polled gun owners versus non-gun owners about how many times they've called their politician about a gun issue. And gun owners, it was something like 42% had called their politician last year, but it was only like 8% of non-gun owners. So, of course, like, if you have that imbalance, that's all they're hearing. 
and you don't, you know, because someone's always going to be more excited on the other side. And so it takes so little. When we used to lobby in Albany when the school budget cuts were coming down, I mean, the state assembly people would say, like, it just takes, like, eight or ten people calling. Like, that's how few mm-hmm. people call unless it's like, I have no heat. I have Like, you know, they get those calls. I have rats. I have, right. But they don't get the I care about the this issues call. issues calls. So yeah. all of a sudden, that's a huge tick on their thing. And they listen. Squeaky wheel, man. Squeaky wheel. That's another suggestion for an event you can have. Um, I said a a phone call Sunday, phone call Sunday Sundays. You have a bunch of ice cream (laughs) and toppings and you tell everyone to come with their cell phone. And you just start hammering, making calls to all the local officials about whatever issue it is. And again, it doesn't have to be your congressman or your senator. It could be, you know, the head of your school board. Yeah. Those people especially. I Mm -hmm. think that's something that... I think that we, as or, you know, we're sort we're definitely have a left skew and feed our democracy. But uh, you know, on the left, I think it's something that we neglected. We're the very local races and getting really local and and starting down ticket so that yeah. those issues that it keeps growing up from there. And local has the most power in this country. People forget that they they're so focused on those races at the federal level but you forget how much your state controls mm-hmm. um, particularly here in New York where the state actually controls a lot of what the city can mm-hmm. do you have to get really aggressive and in their face um, or you have a lot of upstate congressmen or state congressmen deciding the fate of the city which is insane right. um, but true so you have to like really be aggressive and it doesn't except we're saying it doesn't take a lot so if you're inviting 10 people those 10 phone calls those 10 physical letters actually add up and the other piece of why we felt like feed our democracy was important is that you it is overwhelming you know i joked around i don't remember which scandal it was but it's it's been relentless every day there's some other thing you can disagree with or some scandal that's breaking or someone who's been indicted and it just you feel like i what could i possibly do it so much and you can do something. It might not move the needle because you do something, but if, you know, it's a snowball effect. If everybody does something, it may, and it makes you feel less helpless. It gives you some purpose and something. At least you're doing something. And if right. it's really local, then you really could move the needle. Like yes. that $300 that you might think doesn't mean something for a local candidate, that can mean something. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they know your name. Yeah, it's it doesn't take a lot. It really doesn't. I always think, I was thinking about you, Amy, because you do that cookbook club. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking what a cool, like, combo that would be to have one of your I love that you do that, cookbook club. That was Nancy's first suggestion. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't want to mess with cookbook club. <laughs> We've got so It was mostly because it involves uh, inviting other people. And right, cookbook club's right. a very small, small group. But I think that that kind of thing would be a perfect template um, for that kind of gathering. Like, you could right. say, okay, we're going to have this, this party and we're going to raise money for this local candidate. And if everybody could bring a... a an Italian dish or something and have a theme, you know, that makes it fun. Right. I love the whole idea. I actually think it would be really fun for everyone to bring like their most American dish. (laughs) (laughs) What their idea is. Oh, that would be weird. (laughs) Like, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Like, or an Americanized version of what your ethnic food is because you know everyone's food has been Americanized yeah. in a horrible way like M&M like bagels yeah M&M bagels or, yeah. or you could go the opposite way and like bring something from your own ethnic heritage to celebrate celebrate the great yes. melting pot that we all are and love yeah especially yeah. for a cookbook you have a yeah. melting pot yeah. you could do fondue in the middle <laughs> I don't know I think it's a great idea I like the idea of getting your kids involved 
We will put a link to the website and the Twitter handle. And where else are you? Pinterest, Instagram, probably We're mostly Instagram. We're Instagram, oh, you Twitter. You want to pin your oh, recipes so and your party ideas. Come on. Oh, that's true. We <laughs> yeah. can pin political party ideas. Oh, totally. Bin. Yeah, you'd have such a good resistance board yep. <laughs> democracy well, board we're hoping that people i mean we when we launched on saturday officially at a conference we we said to, there was 400 women in the room and we said well we have five followers so <laughs> <laughs> on social media because we just set it up the day before so i think three of them were the three of us um and by and now i looked this morning and we have 98 all right Ooh, so we're getting there that's a yep. fast trajectory it's authentic. It's very pathetic, but it's, you know, we're hoping <laughs> you're that new. You'll, you're a baby. You'll follow and, and, and participate because it's, you know, this is our democracy. That's why we call it Feed Our Democracy. It's ours, and you need to be a part of it. And you need to feed it. Yeah. And, and yourselves. And, and each other. <laughs> all, all good things happen around a dinner table. It's true. Yes. That's Except so true. in rom coms. and Right. <laughs> and if you can't cook, like we said, just order in pizza. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Hot <laughs> luck. Yeah. Box of Entenmann's cookies. Whatever. Yeah. Ooh, Entenmann's cookies. That's a good <laughs> one, too. All right. Well, we will be right back with our bites of the week. All right. We are back with our bites of the week. Amy. Okay, so mine is so fun. I'm so obsessed. Um, yesterday, my son texted me again from school. He's always texting me things from school. I'm like, aren't you supposed to be learning right now? <laughs> um, but the things he texted me are great. And one of the things that he texted me was a video from a YouTube channel called 10 Second Songs. And what this video was, it was one of my all-time favorite songs, Take On Me by AHA. I've seen them twice in concert. And um, Wait, how, how old were you when you saw them twice in concert? The first time I was 13. Okay. The second time I was in my late 30s. Okay. <laughs> That's what's important about this conversation. <laughs> yeah, it was like the perfect bookend. Because um, I really hate concerts, but small venues and aha, I will do Wait, it every time. That, that awesome video where they're like hand drawn? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's that the video. Awesome. Yeah, it's like one of the greatest songs of all time. So this guy behind 10 Second Songs what he does is he takes a song and he does it in like 20 or 30 different styles. And like it just keeps changing like every 15 seconds or so to a new style and not just his singing but also the background music. And it is so well done. It is amazing. Like the aha video, I think he, I, I'm going to forget like all the ones he did, but like did it as Yes and did it as Bonnie Raitt and did it as, <laughs> you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers and did, like the the range of this guy and his musicality is insane like he'll he'll do Fats Domino and then he'll do Childish Gambino and then like it, everything apparently he gets suggestions on Twitter like he'll ask people oh, you know so challenge funny. me who should I do it as and you know so like if you want to hear Nirvana sung as you know by as Eminem or whatever like it, Beastie Boys you know it's so fantastic and I'm Mary just Manilow? I did not come across any. Oh, Barry you got a request on Twitter now. Doesn't mean he didn't do it. I'm still going through videos. Like it, since last night, I've just been watching all these videos. He does other stuff too. Like there's a great one where he did. Uh, I forget what song it was, but he did um, did it as Evanescence in one of the collections, and then Evanescence found it on and like tweeted him that it was oh awesome. So then he did the entire song as Evanescence. It, it, he's amazing. This guy is just so good he needs at a real what he show. does. Oh my god, he does. But yeah, so it's called 10 Second Songs, and I will link to them. You know what? I'll link to all the favorite videos that I've watched so far because I'm make just a playlist. obsessed. Yes, I will make a playlist <laughs> on my account. Nancy? 
Well, I just got back from the Muse Conference where we launched, and you should look that up, Muse Conference in Bend, Oregon, which is an absolutely beautiful little town sort of dropped on a mountain about <laughs> three and a half hours south, but straight up <laughs> from Portland. And uh, the woman who closed out the conference, the final uh, interviewee, was a 96-year-old woman named Betty Reed Soskin, who is a full-time U.S. park ranger. Oh, my God. And she talked about how when she was young, she worked in the national parks and she worked in a segregated area. But nobody really told her that, that she just worked in the segregated area. And she said she spent the first few weeks thinking to herself, wow, only black people go to the park. It's so <laughs> strange. And then it occurred to her that it was segregated. So, Isn't that crazy that the national park had a segregated system? That, she worked I for the post office in a segregated session, section because they couldn't buy stamps and go to the counter with white people. I mean, she really has wow. quite a story. This is a woman who is old enough and obviously has excellent genes because she re- know, she knew her great-grandmother because her great-grandmother lived to be a 100 and something. <sighs> and her great-grandmother was only freed when she was 19 years old. So she actually knew her enslaved ancestors. Wow. So she she's really a, an amazing person that she's still so active um, and she says that, you know, first she was Betty, whatever her maiden name was, I don't remember. And then she was, and so it was her father's name. And then she was Betty Reed, and she was married for, you know, 30 some odd years. And then she was Betty Soskin, because she was married for another 30 <laughs> years or something. And now she says she's just Betty. <laughs> she's like, I'm like Cher. I'm just Betty. <laughs> One name. I love it. And uh, she's written a book. So I am going to um, recommend her book. It's called Sign My Name to Freedom. A memoir of a pioneering life. Wow. And the way, I should say, the way that she came to be a park ranger is that she went, she was invited to some opening ceremony. They were redoing all these things in the park, and she was listening to all the exhibits they were going to have and all the things they were going to talk about. And she went up to them and said, You know that there was segregation. And they said, What are you talking about? And she told them, and she explained how she had worked there. They had no idea. Mm. So they set up a whole exhibit and they asked her to work on it and to help them with it. And now she works there full time. That's and amazing. She's was in her little park ranger uniform. And she <laughs> so not, awesome. not that day, but she, <laughs> when she uh, she introduced um, Michelle and Barack Obama for the tree lighting two years ago. Wow! And she said she had a picture of her great grandmother in her pocket, <laughs> and uh, it was really incredible to meet her. And she's she came to dinner with us. She was really incredible. Oh so wow! So Betty so- Betty Reed Soskin signed my name to freedom. That is isn't that amazing? Yeah. I'm tearing up over here. I know. It's crazy. All right. Well, my bite is in the social vein, um, which is an article in Fast Company this month called How Patagonia Grows Every Time It Amplifies Its Social Mission. And I was actually telling Nancy yesterday, I'm like, did you know all the things Patagonia does? I had no idea. I knew they were like sustainable and I knew he was a huge environmentalist, whatever. But under this female CEO, they have done the most extraordinary work across every facet that their business touches, whether it's biodegradable dyes, fabric dyes that don't pollute the waters, it's a living wage for their workers in every country, no matter where that country is, bonuses that can also be pulled and put into daycare centers. And this isn't like Vietnam, Indonesia, Mm -hmm. like they, and they have a VC fund that focuses on social good and social companies and their profits have soared. Yeah. In tandem with them doing more and more good and becoming more 
ecological so themselves. Get and that like, excuse that so many businesses yes. use that it's going to hurt business. No, it's not. Look, it's not. not if you do it right. Tom's gives away a pair of shoes for every pair of shoes yeah. they sell. I can't, I don't know what their profitability numbers are. but No, but Tom started that, that model, Tom started that one for one model in a big way. But this is, it is, cr- it's just crazy and they talk about how fast they react also to their customers and to things that are happening on social and to things that are happening in government um, and how just for such a big company how nimble they are but it's such an interesting article because you just you just take for granted the products you see in the store and that they're crunchy and environmental and something but you you don't even realize they're like a massive technology company at the same time they're developing fabrics that are waterproof but all based on natural so no petrochemicals um, like you're like, what <laughs> I don't but understand. you had an amazing stat yesterday about when she took over how many different things initiatives they like had it was like 40 and now it's like 450 hmm. because like, women get <clears throat> done yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 <laughs> she gets it done and she has a founder who's 100% behind it and saw her in this so you have to read this article it's just amazing it's you hope it's sort of the future of industry in so many ways but it also just I'm like I don't care how expensive it is anymore I'm just buying Patagonia yeah. <laughs> like for all that stuff I'm just gonna buy Patagonia because it's like because they also don't just have a social mission but they make these incredible quality products they're so invested in the quality of what they make that they will now take them back from customers and you can send your old Patagonia stuff. They re, I want to say like upcycle them, but create new garments like out of them. Repurpose they it. Sell as as used Patagonia garments that hmm. have been like almost like refurbished electronics. Oh, they, wow. So they're creating this whole secondary market to try to keep their stuff out of landfills. Hmm. It's awesome. So anyway, we'll have a link to that article. And I don't think it's behind a paywall because I was able to pull it up on my phone pretty easily. So. All right. Good for Fast Company. <laughs> no, no people. <laughs> that is our show for today. We will have links to everything we talked about. That was a lot, right? Well, yeah. mostly Feed Our Democracy. We'll just have links to that, <laughs> like all that stuff, all our bites. Um, you can find us on Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites, ParentingBites.com, on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, share, and on Radio.com where you can find us and all the other podcasts on Radio.com. Until next week. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, thanks for Rebecca. coming and joining us today. Um, and now we'll go to our office together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll spend the whole rest of the day together, too. <laughs> Until next week. Happy parenting. Bye. Bye.